Hello there. Well, hello. We are here today in a completely different setup. Different galaxy. Different galaxy. A galaxy far, far away where maybe math doesn't matter and we can actually survive. I feel like if we were in a different galaxy, math would probably matter more. Eh, you know. So, we are doing something completely different today. Yep, it's not May 4th. And it's not May 4th. We figured that out earlier. Because May 4th was like over a month ago. Yeah, it'll be closer to July 4th when yes. this comes out. But we still decided we were going to do this because we're going to have some fun. We are going to talk Star Wars. But not Star Wars because we're still going to be talking normal misfit stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. But also correlating to your most recent blog post from the beginning of June. Yes. In that reference. was also not on May 4th. <laughs> Correct. But it was in reference to the new series out on Disney Plus, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. So if you haven't read it, go back and... It's a quick five-minute yeah, read. Pause so it, it take too read long. it, and then come back to us. And maybe watch Obi-Wan. Yes. Which we'll take and that a- was the next thing we were going to say is be prepared potential spoilers ahead although if you haven't seen the first two episodes by now you probably don't want to watch it although after listening to this you may want to watch it so yeah we'll give you a second to uh to pause and go watch our read so stand by andrew is also very happy because he just got some new Sounds from the for the soundboard. That's all Star right. Wars related. Hopefully you hear them. Otherwise, it's just awkward silence. It's a trap. So we are talking through the blog post that I wrote a few weeks ago, and specifically, it is dealing with episode one and episode two of the new Obi Wan Kenobi series. And I will also point out that one of the things I put in there that was a potential. Uh, was a kind of a fan theory floating around that I was ascribing to as far as who one of these characters are proved to be right in the last episode. So well, don't tell me yet because I still haven't caught up from this past week. So I'm only three uh-huh. episodes in. Well, then you haven't caught up in a couple of weeks because we're right. on episode five at the moment. Okay, maybe, so. I'll, maybe I'm through four <laughs> then. I, I kind of forget. Yeah. You know, math. <laughs> we're, we're back to math. So what we are dealing with is in this Obi-Wan Kenobi series, if you haven't watched it and didn't listen to our spoiler warning, is that it is set about nine years after the end of episode three, where Vader is created. Obi-Wan and Yoda have been exiled as well as the remaining Jedi that weren't killed in order 66. Oh, that's the sound I should have pulled up was execute order 66. Um, You know, they all are in exile and Padme has died after giving birth to twins who everybody that has any idea what star Wars is knows is Luke and Leia. Not Chewbacca. Not Chewbacca. That'd be a little different. Um, (laughs) Hairy situation. It'd be a very hairy situation. Um, (laughs) 
there you are. <laughs> so, yeah, I couldn't find it. Um, so, you know, they they are now nine, ten-year-olds, but they have been adopted. Leia by Bail Organa, who is a senator and one of the, re- the uh, rebel leaders. And then Luke has gone back to his father's stepbrother's farm. Mm-hmm. And is now living there with his uncle Owen. Are they actually nine years old? In the that's the that's what they have kind of said. Okay, is like, that they look like they're to be. And I know. also act like they're six. Right. That's a whole nother conversation and a completely different type of review of the of the show. My favorite part from the last episode I watched was Obi Wan telling Leia to hide. And she's just standing against the wall, <laughs> looking left and right. And I'm like, that's not hiding. You're, you could still get shot. Yes. So, the first thing that I noticed out of this is that compared to most TV, movie, anything, it has done a better job of actually highlighting what an adoptive relationship actually is like from a parent perspective, more so even than from a child perspective. Has anyone, well, we'll get into it, but has anyone came out and specifically said that this is a true adoption story? Well, considering it happened a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I don't think it's a true story. But well, you, you not not <laughs> true in the sense that these people existed, but right outside that, like, that, that of was the the former intention. Right, I don't ago. think outside of us, I have actually seen anybody actually talking about it from an adoption point of view. And I think a lot, a lot of it is because when you when you watch the original movies you don't look at it as an adoption type setup at all. Leia just kind of looks like she is just some political figure. Mm-hmm. Luke just seems to be like his, his uncle took him in. And, but what we find out from the, uh, the prequels is that the senators or Ghana have always wanted to, and they specifically say adopt a girl and we also find out from the prequels that Owen is not even Luke's actual uncle because it's his stepbrother mm-hmm. and it's a stepbrother that they met one time that we know of. <laughs> and the entire time Padme was with them and Anakin was only there for a couple of minutes because he was busy slaughtering all of the uh, all of the sand people. Sounds like a normal family. Right. You occurring. know, pretty much. So it, it it takes it to a different level when we actually are now watching the relationship between these adoptive parents and their kids. Because the Organas specifically, we see that Leia is dealing with the fact that the rest of her family knows... They don't know who she is, obviously, but they know that she is not actually part of the family. Mm-hmm. And so they do everything they can to make her feel like she is not part of the family and remind her of it constantly. Yes. 
but it doesn't really face her because her dad and her mother have made it very clear to her that she is a part of the family. Yeah, especially with the line of being queen. Royalty. Royalty, yeah. Which is the whole weird thing within Star Wars politics. We've talked, you know, as weird as the American politics stuff that we've talked about in the past however many episodes... Trying to do Star Wars politics, we would not be able to get anywhere because I have no idea how it works. No, it just seems like everyone has their it's own... It's a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kingdoms, and nobody seems right. to really... But re- they're all... Re- re- they don't want a democracy. But they're all democracies because they're all part of the Republic. True, but it's all a right. king and queen bloodline. Right. So, you know, if anybody actually can explain it to us... Maybe it's that utopian society there. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> So anyway, with all of that, we have Leia is very confident in who she is because of how her parents have raised her. Luke, we haven't really met him yet, although we see him sleeping in the last episode, which is not a spoiler. It's literally he's just sleeping. Um, He could have been awake and I would have known. I know. And... But what we do have is way more interaction with Owen, the uncle. And Owen is super protective of Luke, not because of whose biological son he is, which is the reason that Obi-Wan is super concerned, Mm -hmm. but fully because of the fact that Luke is Owen's son now. Yeah, he feels like he is the one responsible He's not only responsible, he's wanting to train up the child in a way he should go, which is not a Star Wars quote. That's a biblical quote. (laughs) We tried to do a a game for you all doing those sort of things, and it did not go well. And as you know, I'm not too good at these games, so we decided to strict it from the record. Yeah. It was that bad. So, he was training him up, and specifically in episode one, we hear that he is training him to actually be his heir. The farm is going to him, which is not something you are doing just because you're watching your nephew, your your nephew. This is something that you are doing because he is part of your family. We don't normally see these kind of relationships show up in TV, not in a way that is so blatant. True, and to see, I'll say, two sides of the coin as far as the identity in or establishing in the child their identity. Right, and it goes beyond that as well once, and this is where the plot actually comes in. So if you haven't watched it, we already warned you once. So it's a trap. When Leia is kidnapped. And Organa is looking for her and knows that the only person that can find her is Obi-Wan. He contacts Obi-Wan, which is not a problem. Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan has no problem with that other than that he's not expecting it. But the bigger problem that he runs into is when Organa actually shows up on Tatooine. And not just shows up on Tatooine, but he shows up only a few miles from where Luke is hiding. Mm. 
and Obi-Wan tells him you you're risking everything. Because not only is Obi-Wan in hiding, but so is the boy, and Vader is look well, they Obi-Wan doesn't even realize Vader is alive at this point. True. Spoiler alert. But you know, the Empire is looking for both of them. And Organa is very clear about the fact that he does not care if the Empire is looking because his daughter is missing. Mm -hmm. Not the daughter of Anakin Skywalker. Not the daughter that the Empire is searching for. His daughter I thought is you were going to pull- talk about the Good Shepherd here. Let's see, we could add another. Oh, well, there we go. We could do that. <laughs> the The... The thing that is very interesting to me with all of this is that they release something like this. Disney does because Disney now owns it, which if you didn't know that, then that is on you. That's not a spoiler because it's been this way for, what, six years now? Yes. In the midst of the controversy surrounding Disney right now, where every where you have not everybody, where there are groups of church people that are calling for another boycott of Disney because of the fact that they're putting, they are trying to groom our kids is the wording that's being used. It's interesting that in the midst of all of that is when they are releasing one of the best pictures of what an adoptive blended family is actually supposed to look like. And I'm afraid that there are going to be a lot of people that are not going to be willing to see it that way mm-hmm. because of a actual political ideology that we actually can talk about because it's not a Star Wars politics. <laughs> yeah, and, and just like with anything, uh, just on the topic real quick, I feel like it's with anything worldly, it's going to be left with its own sin Right. built into it and right. so as parents you shouldn't just say hey here's a free-for-all to right. to let let disney do the parenting and this for is you a much and... darker star wars type thing than most because it doesn't just deal with adoption happy family no we're dealing with actual real life ptsd real life veteran affairs real life religious extremism Real, all of these sort of things are all major themes throughout this. So we're not saying just sit your five-year-old in front of the TV. No. But what we are saying is that in the midst of all of the drama surrounding the political side of Disney, there are some very good examples for families as to what a true adoptive relationship actually should look like. Yeah. I think there's lots of things that you can always pull good or bad from Star Wars or anything on right. Disney. And it just depends upon you as a parent to dive in and teach that because as we're going through here, maybe people that have watched Obi-Wan did not fully see the, which is why we're talking beautiful, about yeah, adoption story and why it's not talked about on other sites as much. Um, but also the uh, there's the bad too. So just allowing yourself to give the, give that option of which stories you want to teach, which is actually part of what the entire storyline as far as the adoption side we see in this is that Obi Wan wants to train Luke, wants him to experience the world, 
And Owen is very much, he's going to learn how to live this farm life and nothing else. Mm -hmm. But there's another relationship story that we see within this series. And it is not an adoption story. And it's one that while the, you know, this, the adoption side of it is just one that we want to talk about and show because it's a very good picture of what this looks like. And it, this is something that in the midst of the abortion conversation also should be seen as to what an actual adoptive relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. The other relationship story that we're going to talk about here in a minute is one that I think is one that the church needs to pay attention as an organization more. We as individuals need to look at the adoption one. The church needs to look at this other one. And this other one we are going to talk about after we come back from this break. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. Welcome back, everyone, to a special Star Wars edition here of Ministry Misfits as we are talking a little bit about Obi-Wan Kenobi as it relates to our blog post on ministrymisfits.com. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please go back through and read. And if you want to, watch Obi-Wan. But in the meantime, we are talking about the beautiful story of adoption that it is talked about throughout the first couple episodes and throughout some of the Star Wars series in, in general. Yes. And so, oh, sorry, it shouldn't be yes, it should be. Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. The second relationship, though, that we're going to look at is one that is not so nice. Yes. So, first of all, we need to just tell the haters for Rava that they're wrong and they need <laughs> to just stop. Because not only is the character awesome, but the actor does an amazing job with it as well. Actress. And it actress, sorry. Actress does an amazing job as well. And it is not just some political token thing to have her there as well. Mm-hmm. So to all the haters, go away. Yeah. Please now, share share your blog post with us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now Rava is a 
Sith Inquisitor, which, oh, that's another one I need upon. There's the Nobody Expects the Inquisition. Um, Monty Python, if okay. you didn't know. Okay. I was like, I don't remember that one. Yeah, that's not for, that's Monty Python. That's not Star Wars. <laughs> anyway, the, this again, where we're at within the timeline on Star Wars is that the Jedi have not have, the temple has been wiped out. The Republic is now under the control of, and is being formed into an empire under the Sith. And so there are these Sith Inquisitors that are going around trying to find the remaining Jedi and just wipe them out. But, specifically, Vader... And the third sister, who is the one we're about to talk about, only want Obi-Wan. And they want Obi-Wan because he's the one that did all the damage to Vader. Now, those of you that have seen the latest episode know that's not the only reason that Rava wants Obi-Wan. But since Brandon hasn't even seen that, I'm not going to spoil it. Thank you. Up until this latest episode, we weren't 100% sure as to what her backstory actually was. Mm -hmm. What we did know was that the Inquisitors found her, what they refer to as, in the gutter. So she basically was just an orphan in the street trying to find something. And so they took her in. But when they took... And they trained her. She was already Force-sensitive, which if you have no idea what that means, it's a Star Wars thing, so go watch it. They trained her to be an Inquisitor. They give her the title of Third Sister, which is really nothing. Yeah. And demeaning. It's, it's very demeaning. And they are super demeaning to her because she is different than the rest. And she's different than the rest in that she tries to compensate for that by being overly aggressive, by trying to catch the big prize in order that she might receive accolades from Vader himself. Mm-hmm. That she'll finally be seen better than or at least in the same eyes as her brothers or is it brother and sister i forget now brother i guess it would technically be brothers I'm not sure I, I it's hard again star wars it's sometimes hard to tell <laughs> and and some sometimes it's hard to tell even if it's actually like a living thing or if it's a droid you know roger roger so Anyway, he's trying to be accepted by her quote-unquote family, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that really is what we're dealing with yes. here. Which I do find also kind of ironic that some of the complaints early on, at least that I was seeing about both Moses Ingram and the character of Reva in general, is that people were claiming that she was just being used by Disney to reach their diversity quota. Which is not the case because she's playing it perfectly. Yeah. But the ironic thing is that in making that judgment, they actually are doing the same thing that the other inquisitors are doing in the show. <laughs> so they're almost playing the role of the other siblings. Right. Like, and unfortunately this is... in more of a true played out hateful version versus a right. TV series. And this is part of what we want to start talking about is what this relationship story 
should actually be showing the church is that there are a lot of kids that are in this situation across the globe in general, but even just within your neighborhood. I don't know where you're listening, or although our German listeners finally have found us again, so guten tag. Um, you know, wherever you are listening, I can almost, I can with pretty much 100% certainty tell you that there's at least one kid in your neighborhood that fits this, this idea, this idea. Yeah. They are looking for acceptance and family somewhere. Yeah. Usually there's been many or at least one giant broken relationship there right. that is leaving for them to find their, what they f- think is their identity. Right. So that leads us into the, why we're even talking about this is that part of what Obi-Wan shows very well is what happens to a lot of kids as far as how they get sucked into gang culture specifically. Which really, you can classify the Inquisitors as a religious gang. Mm -hmm. They offer a sense of family. They offer a sense of purpose. As a young child, they offer protection, they offer clothing, they offer food, they offer wealth. And as you start working your way through the ranks, it feels like you are a part of the family. But in reality, you're nothing more than another pawn within the game. Also set us up perfectly. Right? This is, this is, it's almost like we planned this out. <laughs> It's something that when, you know, this is one of those things that has come up a lot since 2020, again, as far as the idea of what a thug culture is. The reality is that this thug culture, gang culture, whatever you want to call it, is nothing more than a continuation of a cycle. Mm. And it's a cycle that can be broken. And it's a cycle that in this latest episode, Obi-Wan actually tries to break. That's not a spoiler alert, just so you know. But there's a major piece of this that the church should be aware of. And that is that the church can actually break this cycle in their communities fairly easily. I don't know about fairly easily, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Because I say that because I think the one element that you brought up that is huge is the money. The monetary side, which churches could step in and provide, but they're not also going to just be giving you, all right, here's a fat paycheck. And this is where the conversation actually has to start taking place, is what is the actual role of the church as it relates to our community? So is the church in a community for the community? Or is the commu- is the church in the community for the church? So what we're really saying is, you know, it's almost a which comes first chicken or egg type of thing. Mm-hmm. Is the church's responsibility in the community to be there for their community? Or is the church's responsibility in the community to be there for themselves? For themselves. 
you know, is it about the community coming to them or them going out into their community? So which is it, Brandon? Both. That's a not quite right answer. <laughs> what do you mean by both? We'll give you a chance to explain yourself. I say both because I think I'll start with the the latter half of the church being there for itself or the church being yeah. the community for itself. Um, I think it can have open doors to the community, which I, th I think that's like a s invitation for people to come in depending upon what events or outreach opportunities there are. And so I see that as a coming in to the building okay. of people going to the church I guess that's how I was, I was interpreting it versus the body of church going out into the community. So leaving that physical ground site. So what we're really talking about here is a much more hyperized or hyperdrived version of the Roman Celtic evangelism models. What we're talking about is the idea of when we say the church is there for themselves, that you know, or the community is there for the church, is this idea that in order to be a part of the church, you have to basically leave the community behind mm -hmm. and fully become just a part of this church. On the flip side, we're talking about the fact that the church is there as a part of the community. Mean that the church is is a citizen of the community just as much as it is a place of worship. Most of the time, what we have heard, at least within American church culture, is the first part. Right? Yep. The church is there in the community, and so the community needs to come to them with their problems. And the community needs to come to them and become a part of the church community. But that's not what we see in Scripture. No. What we see in Scripture is the apostles, the disciples, the missionaries, you know, depending on what, you know, what ranking they were, go into a community. They become a part of the community. They develop relationships within the community. They start telling the community about the Messiah, and then they plant a church. And then that church is already a part of the community, and that church then cares for its community. So start instead of starting with the church, start with community. We start with the community that it's in. But what has happened is that now that Christianity is not just a few years old, Churches are much older in terms of like they've been established longer. We're not talking actual demographics yes. here yet. Churches ha are, are much older. And so the community is used to the church being there. And so for a long time, culturally here in the U.S., you were not a Christian. You were not an American unless you attended the church that was down the street at least a few times a year. Yeah. But now, that's not the case. 
And so now is the time for the church to go back to being a part of their community rather than expecting the community to be a part of the church. And what that does is it establishes relationships and allows for us to actually see these kids that are in our community like Reva. Mm -hmm. And now when we start talking about the fact that the church actually can help start breaking these cycles down is when we get into how the church actually goes into the community. So I was gonna say this also kind of gets into the fourfold rubric. Exactly. That's part of where we were going. But we weren't going there yet. <laughs> you beat me to it. Impressive. <laughs> so Brandon, you work with Tikva. Mm-hmm. We're, which you can still get your Tikva tees at the store, which I realized I don't have a button for at the moment. But the Tikva tees are still there, so go buy the Tikva tees. You work with Tikva. You also work with Project Rebuild, which we don't have a slide for either. You do a lot of work with kids in the Canton community. Mm -hmm. What is it that you see that the kids need more than anything within Canton? Oh, there's a handful of things. I could, I could list with some tangibles of like one being transportation, honestly. Uh, that's always a big hindrance of whether it's the bus pass or just different things of how do I get from here to there? It's like people might not have a bike or it gets stolen or they get jumped on their way to the bus. So right. one like physical tangible thing could be transportation. But ultimately I would say is they need somebody in their corner that loves them and that they can trust. And that's easier said than done because for a lot of them, it has been broken relationship after broken relationship. So-and-so walked out on them. Um, they were abused. They came from this household. They've been through 10 households. And so for somebody to step in and say, hey, I care about you or how are you feeling today? They immediately that wall comes up and there's a lot of pushback. There's, and, there's one piece you're missing. There's one step you're missing, I guess, actually, which uh, you may uh, have been about to hit it. I was going to say, this was just an opinion question, right? Right. So how could I be? <laughs> you're, you're missing one piece and you were you were starting to get there. What is that actual wall that comes up? Vulnerability. That's the wall to be vulnerable. Right. Yeah. And be their true selves. Because a lot of times it's being somebody... They are not, and you see those glimpses of who they truly could be or truly are, and then it's like a switch that gets flipped. Exactly. And that is the first piece that we actually have to address, is that this is not just applying with kids either. This applies with adults and everything else. But that that wall that gets put up, the vulnerability that puts gets put up, there is only one way to get it to start being broken down. And we see this, a, a perfect biblical example is John chapter 4 with Jesus and the woman at the well. The way to get that wall down is to not have the wall up yourself. 
Now, what do we actually mean by that? What we're saying is that oftentimes, and this is a stereotype that is not 100% true, but it's a stereotype for a reason because it is very true, is that oftentimes Christians are looked at as being fake happy, Mm -hmm. fake nice, fake joy. Especially anybody that has done inner city ministry for any length of time knows that if you have a mask on, the city, the the people within the inner city see it, they recognize it, they rip it off, and then they don't trust you ever again. Yep. The key to breaking down those walls is to not have any walls up yourself. And that includes with what your motivation actually is when you start trying to become an advocate to start building trust, to start doing all of these things with especially these kids. Ultimately, well, I mean, we know this for a fact with Tikva. Ultimately with Tikva, the goal for these kids is we want to see them have a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. That is not a secret at all. No. But when you first interact with these kids, that's not the first thing that you guys do. And I say you guys because you have dealt with them way more in person. I've driven them around a few times. <laughs> Which I yeah, I have stayed away from that one. <laughs> yeah. The driving them around is more fun for me because then I just get to hear the workers in the back just rubbing their heads because they're already like, this is going to be a long night. When... when interacting with the kids the first step is not oh here's the gospel Mm -hmm. the first step with these kids is oh what's your name what school do you go to yeah you know you want a juice box type of thing that is not the way that we normally hear when we talk about an actual mission missionary type working with any age group, you know, the, the, the most recent example I can think of is, I don't know, maybe we talked about here. Did you hear about the, uh, group of missionaries? Supposedly they're also the ones that were doing, trying to lead a worship service on the plane and everybody was like, get me off of this plane. I remember that video. Yeah. Which first of all, the music was horrible. Second of all, that's not a good evangelism strategy, which is part of what we're talking about here. (laughs) But that same group stood on the border of Ukraine as refugees were coming in and immediately started preaching at them. I do remember seeing this. That is not a way to get people to break down barriers. No. That's a way to get the shields up, which I just realized I forgot to put that one in there too. I need, we need to just completely redo this after I get (laughs) all of the sounds that I wanted, you know, the first step that we see Jesus do in John four is he goes to the woman and starts breaking down the barriers simply by giving her worth by asking her for a drink of water. Mm -hmm. He's putting her in a place of, control in the situation he doesn't even even as the conversation keeps going he doesn't do any kind of spiritual evangelism type move until she's the one that brings it up 
But yet that's not what we tend to do as American churches. No, we lead on the attack. Right. Which we've talked about before also. We don't, we're not supposed to, we're not, we don't have offensive weapons. We have defensive weapons. Yeah. We have lightsabers. <laughs> so, you know, when we talk about these walls that are built up, they're broken down through intentional, honest relationships. Mm-hmm. But now that we start this process of breaking down the walls, what is the next step, Brandon? It's a simple one. I was like, I don't know why I can't think of it. If it's just having that conversation. Not even having the conversation. It's just having the relationship. Right. Say, hopefully you're already modeling. Right. I mean, I guess that's probably from day one of modeling what. Well, it, that Christ. should be the model. That should be the model of what Christ is. That's what we were just talking about with John 4. All of it is modeling. <laughs> is that this should all be modeled after what Christ Christ did and what Christ does. As Christ breaks down walls by being his true, because he is the truth, his true self. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago with the other blog series that we did. As far as what truth is, Christ is the truth. And all truths draw us into Christ. So why then do we think that the way to draw people into Christ is through a false sense of happiness or joy or a false sense of what this relationship is actually about? Is that a rhetorical question or an actual question? A little bit of both. It is rhetorical, but if you have an answer, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what what that would be from. I mean, I'm someone that people would generally refer to as a happy yes. person. You are the stereotypical extra, like natural extrovert and natural. Hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee? Yes. So I think part of it's just, yeah, how I'm wired and who God created me to be. Um, so some, I, I remember when I first started working at P Graham Dunn and when I interviewed there, they're like, you have the salesperson laugh. Like, yes. We couldn't tell if it was genuine or fake. So we had to see, which is much better than this. <laughs> There'd be lots of issues with that. Yeah. How I laugh, which I would also kind of like it, but <laughs> it's that continuing to show up, continuing to be there, where people will then, if that's naturally who you are, people will then see: are they genuine or are they right. putting on a mask? It's not just a one and done. And sometimes that's all you get, depending upon where that relationship or that ministry goes but personally i think a lot of us continuing to show up and be there and for them to see from your modeling of okay they are genuinely like this but that doesn't mean that there's not struggles and stuff and obviously depending upon it whether it's a eight-year-old kid or an adult whether you have some of those tougher conversations or when not. you already brought up another key part of this as you said that it's a continuing to do this. It's a, it's a commitment. This is a lifelong discipleship commitment. Mm-hmm. But the other part of what you said there is that it may be a one and done. Well, if this is an actual genuine self, one and done doesn't matter. Because you're, it's not about a 
end goal. Mm -hmm. It's about talking to this kid for a moment. You know, going back into the fourfold rubric, you know, when we whenever we've talked community outreach, whether it was with McDowell's or with Greg or with anybody, you know, the numbers that we talk about is that four to seven year period of a discipleship journey before you start seeing results. Fakeness doesn't last four to seven years. No, <laughs> you, it does. You should be an actor. Or at that point, it's no longer fake because it, it you tricked yourself into believing it. We've got to be in it for the long haul. We've got to be genuine. Because when we are genuine, we get relationships like what we see with Luke and Leia in this series. They know their worth. They know their value even though they don't know exactly where they come from, it doesn't matter where they come from because it matters whose they are now and where they are now. On the flip side of that, what happens when you have fake relationship usury really is what we're talking about. You have the potential of what we see with Reva and even what we see with Anakin. Anakin is another one where it's just broken relationship after broken relationship. Mm -hmm. He was literally a slave. He gets freed and now he's a slave to the Jedi. And then he gets married or, you know, his mom dies. He gets married. His wife dies and the only consistent relationships he has is Obi-Wan and the Chancellor. The Chancellor is fake in using him. Obi-Wan is genuine. But because of the way that the other Jedi treat him, he is looked at as you are no different than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And so he is drawn instead to the fakeness. And so we're going to close out here after one more break on the actual responsibility of the church and all of this. We've talked about the individual side of this community outreach as far as just not being fake. But now we need to actually get into the fourfold rubric stuff of how does this actually apply to a church as a whole organization? And so we are going to do that after we get some drinks at the cantina. Today's a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. We just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. 
The teams at Bus Sprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Bus Sprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. All right, we are back. We are still doing Star Wars, mm-hmm. but we are doing it theologically. We are on episode seven towards the end. I don't know why I said that. I don't know because we we're definitely past episode seven <laughs> for this season. I have no idea what episode it is, but we're past seven. I know that. Actually, seven seems to be the number you like because the last time you tried to guess our episode number, you said we were episode seven also. True. And we were episode eight. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, anytime, anything with numbers. So um, don't ask us for financial advice. That's right. And I just realized I turned that down. So probably nobody actually heard that it's a trap there. So we talked individual relationship as far as what the way that Obi-Wan helps us understand true adoption relationships. Mm -hmm. We talked individual relationships as to what happens when you have these kids that are in at risk, vulnerable, whatever social work term you want to put on them at risk, vulnerable, as far as what can happen, the difference between a genuine relationship and a fake relationship. And the fact that the fake relationship that offers more is the one that they're going to go to, unless you have an actual genuine relationship. Now we are going to talk what this actually has to do with the church, because the blog itself was directed at the church as an organization, not the individuals. That's why we're doing this episode is to talk individuals also. Yeah. We already said that what these kids need is an actual genuine relationship that cares about them, that shows them that they are valued, what their worth is, and that is there to help them genuinely. And that is going to invest for the long haul. So for the church, we said again at the beginning that the church is there for the community, not the other way around. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we're supposed to be a part of the community. That's how we find these kids. We see these kids. We know what the needs are. So now that we know what these needs are, now that we've established that the people within the church need to be genuine and not fake, what is actually the next step in this process? To actually provide those resources? There you go. Like we said, this is much simpler than we make it. We provide those resources. And what we're talking about with the resources is the physical resources before we even start talking the spiritual. Because we like to jump spiritual when we they're not ready to talk it because the walls are still coming down. And when the walls are still up, it's not going to be efficiently effective for us. Mm -hmm. So how do we actually go about meeting these needs? There's a couple of things that come into play here. The first thing that immediately is at the forefront of anybody that is financially minded within the churches, which churches have to have these people. We are not knocking them. They have to be there. If they are not there, then it's crazy. (laughs) 
But the first thing that always comes to mind is how are we going to pay for this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And this is where we're going to get up on a soapbox for a little bit. I'm sure everybody's shocked that I've got one for this. <laughs> is this it? We'll have yeah. you stand on top. Stand on. Yeah, that would be a little, little uh, dangerous there. The 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 initial response is well, this is part of the budget, right? Outreach should be part of our budgets. That mm -hmm. that's just a general church logistics thing. Outreach. If your church does not have outreach on the budget. It's probably because they have other ministries on the budget that are doing it and they aren't just named more specifically, which again is a finance thing that I don't understand. But the, the outreach budget should, first of all, be directed to outreach, not inreach. What do I mean by that, Brandon? What's the difference between outreach and inreach? Maybe is what my example was when I was trying to explain church in the community versus the community in the church. Exactly what your of, example was. <laughs> you're physically going outside of your walls to be a part of the community or be a part of somebody else's lives versus perfect example for our church, having a basketball game or tournament where people from the community are coming in. Okay, not exactly no, like where no, you're going. Okay, okay. You were on the right track. So what we've what outreach is 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 literally reaching out to the community. It is literally offer giving giving to the community to care for the community. So whether it is an open space internally in the right. church or not. Doesn't matter. In reach, on the other hand, there are two different types. The main inreach everybody's aware of are things, and this is something that churches need to need to have in their budget, but this is not a part of outreach. Inreach is where we are literally taking care of those within our walls. Mm, okay. You know, we are we're we're providing for our members. We're you know, we're caring for them when you know a bill comes up and they can't pay it type of thing. A whole nother episode we could get into is yes. also the American side of that, because a lot of people don't like when we do outreach and, and specifically that's part of where we're getting with the inreach. second part of inreach. The second part of inreach is where we are doing outreach only for the purpose of bringing people back in our walls with us. And that is another example of a corporate side of the fitness that most people stereotype the church with. So you're only doing this to get something out of it. It's not because you actually care about me. You just want to be able to put another check mark on the board. Mm -hmm. And this model of outreach, unfortunately, is unintentionally the one that is done most of the time. How often do you see community uh, outreach events from churches that are not designed specifically to just dra draw people in Sunday morning. There's not too many because I, I think as an organization, you're like, okay, well, how do I then build that community further? Let's just say you're at an outreach event and you're at the park hanging out. Hey, you should come to our church on Sunday. I think, again, your their intentions would be that that community would be built up 
over time, but that's right. not how it might be perceived. Exactly. Or received. Because now what the community sees is, I just met you. And all you are doing is saying, hey, come with me Sunday morning. That is not going to break down walls. That's going to continue to build up. Because the unfortunate reality is that culturally, as a culture within the United States of America, there are walls that are now built up to evangelistic efforts because of things that we've talked about before. Cold War theology, abuse within the church, segregation within the church, financial scandals coming out of the church, all of these different things, you know, just general stories of cults. Unfortunately, the church reaps the benefits of those stories as well. There are already walls built up to just general, hey, come with me to church on Sunday. Not saying don't invite people to church. You should invite people to church, yes. but you should be inviting people that you already have established relationships with. Yeah. And not pushing them off to the pastor to think that they should do the Right, which that's a whole nother discussion we will have at some point because that's that's a whole nother soapbox. Don't don't assume your pastor is responsible for the evangelism of your community. Your pastor is responsible for the shepherding of your community. You are responsible for the evangelizing of your community. The other, <laughs> the other thing I'll bring up too, going back to a past episode from episode past, yeah, from season past one episode, yeah, yes, yeah, uh, with brew pastors, right? With Joe, right. is it's very funny when we're doing different community events that sometimes the question gets brought up to us of what church do you guys go to? Mm-hmm. And we all say, and it is genuine, we're probably almost all at different churches. There's a couple that go to the same, but for the most part, it's a conglomerate of different churches, which it's funny to see people's faces because you can almost see like that wall comes down. They're like, hmm. They like question that in like a good way of, huh, how can this whole group from different places all come together and be on the same page? I think right. it's funny because it's been brought up a lot at events of what church do you guys go to or what are you affiliated with? And it's, Right. And so we're all different ones. And so, you know, this is why we talk about why it's important to make sure that you actually have outreach and not just in reach. Because of the fact that what that shows, you know, what brew pastors shows, first of all, is that we can all be from different churches and yet we all are able to gather together under the same banner. Mm-hmm. What outreach shows is that we love you and value you with no strings attached. You know, it doesn't matter. You have worth because you are made in the image of God. We care for you because you are a part of the community that we are in. And so you are valued. That is completely different than just, hey, here's a hot dog with a track. Go read it and then come back Sunday morning. <laughs> You know, that, that's a completely different style of doing things. But now the second part of this discussion as far as this outreach financing. And Brandon, you are a businessman. Mm-hmm. You're a very successful businessman, just like Joe. You you were a very successful <laughs> salesman. Don't Don't try and act <laughs> like you were not. The statement that I have I've made in business meetings and gotten a lot of very strange looks for 
is this. If we were to go bankrupt and only reach one kid, would that be money well spent? It would, it would depend because I think there's an element of being a good steward of God's money. And so is it where you flippantly, it depends on that track to getting to bankrupt. Are you doing the outreach or are you doing the inreach and it's a trap. It was a trap. It is a trap. And we've got all these smoke and mirrors and the big giant TV. And then we went bankrupt because we spent all this money on improvements on the church. But yeah, but we reached that one kid. So I think it's that, what was your track to bankruptcy? And that's what this question is a trap. (laughs) Because what it does is it shows heart, you know, heart priorities here. What you're talking about, good stewardship, is normally what the response is. Now, you came at it from a different angle than most because you actually came at it from, was this outreach or inreach? Did we improve the building and only get one person? That was getting them into the building, and that was all we were doing. (laughs) Yes. What I'm referring to as far as reaching that one kid is this four to seven year discipleship style reaching of that one kid. And so if we spend millions of dollars to get one kid, was that money worth it? Mm-hmm. Yes. The argument of, well, we, we no, because we're gone now. So we have no way of communicating with anybody else anymore. We, we, we reached one, but look at all these other people we didn't reach. And that is part of what we are dealing with when we talk about the stuff that we see with Rava and everything else is that this one kid that we are reaching should be worth the any amount of money that is being spent. Because reaching this one kid could be a Luke Leia and a Star Wars sense, you know, or it could be a could be Billy could be a Billy Graham that reaches millions. Yeah. Or Having this big, nice building and staying around for another 20, 25 years, financially speaking, staying around and maybe reaching a few here or there, that one kid that you could have reached if we had been willing to trust God with the money, that now wants nothing to do with us, could be a Rava, an Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And I think what you're not saying is you don't just flippantly. Right. We're not oh, talking here, about here's a hundred dollars. Right. We are being efficiently the, the effective with looking our at their physical right. needs. Right. This is, this is the whole reason why we stress efficiently effective is we're not talking about being flippant with the money. Yeah. We are talking about where our priorities are at. Because again, is this a fake niceness that that builds walls instead of breaks them down? Or are we willing to say, you know, trust that God is going to provide for the building of his kingdom? And so we are going to do what is necessary to reach those in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about this fact that doing this stuff is actually much easier than we make it, it's easy to do. The hard part is the individual commitment to actually doing it because it is a long haul. 
it is sometimes a financially strenuous haul. And you are going to run into people that do not like the idea of their tithe money going to somebody that is not already in their walls. But the call of the church is to be there for the community. Mm -hmm. We love God and we love others. And we love our neighbor. And yes, neighbor is everybody. But sometimes we have to be reminded also that neighbor does mean the house next next door. door. Yeah. So this was a completely different episode than normal. (laughs) I think we started more Star Wars. We always went back to our... I wouldn't say normal programming, but yeah, normal programming. Yeah, there is no, there is no normal programming. Come on now. Um, That's a trap. That is a trap. It's a trap. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully if you like the, the idea of us randomly doing pop culture days here, let us know because there's others we could definitely do. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of things we can pull out of other, other things. Really, I could have, if you had watched the latest episode, there's a whole nother element to what we just talked about that we see in this latest episode as well. Let I, us... I, I finally finished episode three. I, may, I don't know. I thought it was three. Maybe it was four. Who knows? I finished one <laughs> last night. I'm yeah. still one behind, though, at yes. least. So, yeah. So let us know what you think. If you haven't checked out the blog, go do that. It's on the website, mrmisfits.com. I believe it's just backslash blog, but I haven't completely tightened up all the SEOs yet. So forward slash post. So I, I, for those that don't know, I did look. So I did, I did look this up. It is forward slash. Because it is leaning forward. But you don't slash it forward. You're slashing it back. Forward slash. For those that don't know, this is an ongoing debate. So maybe we'll make it. We need to post this one. Just like, what was the other poll? that? The other one was on the Muppets. And I destroyed you you on that one. That was a probably good 75 to 25. Not even 70. It was more like a 90-10. Anyway, again, numbers. So anyway, we have enjoyed doing this one. We enjoyed planning this one out because we were able to find all the Star Wars toys and the Star Wars shirts and the Star Wars soundboard. (laughs) If you want more of this type of talk, we would recommend um, uh, Systematic Geekology um, with our good friend Joe and a few other people from the Christian Podcast Network do this kind of things all the time. Um, You can also go to their Facebook group, which is Priests to the Geeks. Um, is another one where we have these kind of discuss. We we share memes and do these kind of things on there as well. In the meantime, also you can find out all of our stuff, ministrymisfits.com. The blog is there. Patreon is still there. It is still birthday month. True, I forgot it is still. It is still birthday month. June. It seems like it should be over. I don't know why. I know this. It's I know it's been it does. a very busy week. So it if has. you'd like to support both of our birthdays and just ministry misfits in general you can visit our patreon page and we do have four different levels that you can help support anywhere from five ten twenty and a hundred dollars yes and a hundred dollars pretty much makes you the emperor so you are the misfit so we hope you enjoyed this we're going to uh march our way out of the studio here And we will see you all again next week.
The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits. 